Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, it's actor Kirk Cameron. He is pro-life as well as an adoptive father. Those elements are present within a film in which he teamed up with the Kendrick Brothers. He spoke with me recently. You'll be hearing some of his comments ahead. And the food we eat and the amount we consume can actually be an indicator of spiritual components of our lives. And Barb Raveling provides a look at the relationship between the physical and emotional aspects of food and the spiritual issues at play. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, you'll be hearing from Reggie and Lady Love Smith. They are a popular duo who have performed with a number of high-profile artists, including Bill and Gloria Gaither. In fact, Reggie is a member of the Gaither Vocal Band. They joined me recently to discuss their new Christmas project. Material from that conversation is coming up. Finally, George Guthrie of Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia, is desirous about helping people to discover more about God's Word and to learn more about the Lord. He shares words of encouragement about gaining a greater understanding of Scripture. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Actor and an executive producer of the movie Life Mart in association with the Kendrick brothers, Kirk Cameron, who is pro-life and an adoptive father, discussed his involvement in the movie and the film's pro-life, adoption-centered plot based on a true story. From that recent Meeting House conversation, here now is Kirk Cameron. Chelsea and I have six kids. We adopted our first four, and then we had two the old-fashioned way. Um, Adoption doesn't stop there. Chelsea, my wife, is an adopted child herself, so is her brother. And I I think of how grateful I am for adoption. Um, if, If those birth mothers, those biological mothers who were scared and alone, I'm not sure what to do if they had not chosen to give life to their children and, and allow them to live. Uh, my wife would not be here. My four kids wouldn't be here. And if my wife wasn't born, our two natural born children wouldn't be alive either. Wow. So uh, adoption is the center of our family, along with our um, just our, our love for God and each other. And and man, I'm I, I'm just so grateful I got to do a movie that celebrates all these things in life, Mark. Absolutely. And just wanted to ask you, we're going to jump into some of the material with life, Mark. I know it's a a wonderful, the film presents a wonderful story. It is based on a true story, but also just the story of how you and the Kendrick brothers came back together. Of course, you Mm -hmm. worked together on Fireproof, but how is it that you and Chelsea really made that decision to adopt children? Well, um, like I said, Chelsea is an adopted child, and so I thought that was just a really cool thing, a great part of her story. And, and after we got married, while we were working on the set of Growing Pains, uh, we began to talk about how we wanted to uh, start a family. And we thought, why don't we adopt some kids? Uh, you know, we want to be parents. There's children out there who need homes. There's a lot of them. And uh, this sounds like a perfect match. So we did. We adopted one, and a year later, adopted another and another and another, and then uh, then we found out Chelsea was pregnant, and that happened twice. And so, and then now we have six kids, and it was one of the one of the best things ever. I, I mean, I look at our kids now. We have three boys. We have three girls. A couple of them are married. They're grown now. They're 25, 24, 23, 22, 21, and 20. Wow! And you did it, that it well. Couldn't be. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I got I to gotta count them on my fingers because I there's so many of them, um, but. 
but it was a great decision. And adoption is, is a beautiful option that solves a difficult situation and answers people's prayers. I want you, as we close here, to talk about the message that this film sends not only to the church, but also our culture at large. I really hope that people see Life Mark. And by the way, it's coming out uh, just in time for Thanksgiving Day weekend because it celebrates the most important thing that each one of us has, and that's life. Mm-hmm. You know, in our country, well, we're 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 focusing on great being grateful for our blessings at Thanksgiving time. We may read the Pilgrim story and and be reminded that we're so privileged to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness available to us in this country. But if we don't have life, we don't get liberty either, and we don't have the opportunity to pursue happiness. So. Um, I think I think that this Thanksgiving, um, people have so much to be grateful for, and uh, grateful for your family, grateful for your country, uh, grateful for a God who who knows you, who loves you, and I think it would be great for people to to remember that we're at a critical point in our country's history, that we could lose everything that's dear to us, and if we're really grateful for it, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, let's talk about those things with our kids and with our family. And uh, I know that's what I'm going to be doing this this Thanksgiving. And I think that Life Mark, uh, as a as a the family film to watch, could kick off that kind of a great conversation. Kirk Cameron here on this edition of the Intersection. You can find out more at lifemarkmovie.com. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Barb Raveling. She hosts the Taste for Truth and Christian Habits podcast and has written numerous books about living the Christian life. In our recent Meeting House discussion, she talked about some of the concepts she relates in her book, Say Goodbye to Emotional Eating, 100 Renewing Exercises to Help You Break Free from the Control of Food. Here now from that recent conversation is Barb Raveling. I actually started writing and speaking about it because God changed my life so much with it. I didn't really know much about uh, the renewing of the mind. I didn't know what that looked like on a practical level, but I, I was having negative emotions. I was having things I couldn't change about myself. You know, emotional eating was one of them. I, the weight was something I thought I'd never get over with my life. It just controlled me. I thought I couldn't break free from it. But then when God started to show me how truth, it changes both your desires and your emotions, he started to change my life in so many areas through the renewing of the mind. I I saw on a practical level how that verse in Romans, how it really works, that we really are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Well, as we look at this overall topic, and I want to deal with the, the concerns with respect to emotional eating And if you could just highlight for us how it is that one's emotions actually can drive in a negative way the relationship a person has with food. Well, I think when we have negative emotions, we kind of seek relief. So we're looking for comfort. We're looking for escape. You know, with whatever is going on in our life kind of creates those negative emotions. And then we want to escape. And for a lot of us, eating is just the easy escape. You almost always have food in the house. There's a short drive away to get some quick little relief. So 
for some people, you know, it doesn't make them eat. They might do other things. But for a lot of us, eating is our go-to when we have negative emotions. And does this have to do with the type of food that you consume, say, at regular meal times, or maybe those those snack times that might be might be very opportune and available, but yet turn out to be well something that could be harmful? What do you think? Well, I would say we don't usually emotional eat with carrots or celery. <laughs> so we emotional Isn't it eat, interesting how that works? <laughs> <laughs> right. We, we want something fun. We want a little excitement in our life or comfort. And, you know, if we just have a little, a little bit of food, that'd be okay. But when we, you know, eat too much and continue eating too much on a regular basis, that it, it trips us up in the health department, but also the craving. I mean, I, I remember how much I used to crave, how much I used to binge and, just that emotional uh, trauma of living like that was almost better to break free from than the health advantages of losing weight. You say that emotional eating can lead to living by desire instead of living by design. And I'd like you to unpack that, if you will. Contrast the two and and give us a little bit more information about how we can move from that being driven by emotion to actually move into digesting food and, and consuming food in a way that, that God would intend, the way that we are designed to. Okay, well, I think usually what we really want is we want to do what we want when we want and eat what we want, what we want when we want. And I call that living by desire. Uh, living by desire works as long as we're having healthy desires and godly desires, but it's when we're not having those healthier godly desires, it doesn't work because that's when we do things that aren't good for us or that God doesn't want us to do. The problem is we don't usually have enough self-control to, to make ourselves stop. So when I say living by design, I'm talking about setting out how we want to live, how we want to eat. So I would create boundaries. I have boundaries of three meals and one snack a day. And when I live by design, I follow those boundaries even when I don't feel like it. And so I've designed my life, what, what's best for my life, three meals and one snack, and then I follow it. But in order to have the self-control to follow it, I, I had to renew my mind so often in the beginning uh, to get to the point where I, I could have the self-control to, to follow that design. Barb Raveling here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to the website, barbraveling.com. Well, this is The Intersection podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming menu at faithradio.org. Through The Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, you can find links to video content. And there are links to two blogs. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House program. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other 
podcast platforms. The Intersection Podcast continues now with Christian musical artists, husband and wife duo Reggie and Lady Love Smith. In our conversation, they shared about their musical backgrounds and their Christmas project entitled That Special Time of Year. From that conversation, here now are Reggie and Lady Love Smith. How did it start? First of all, we have always wanted to do a a, a cool, uh, sentimental Christmas a Timeless. Album. Timeless. Timeless. That yes. Back. And and do some timeless sounds on the on the Christmas, and not try to recreate a wheel or try to do something that's maybe the coolest thing or the most uh, whatever thing, but really reach back. And I, I when I joined the family, we we married. Uh, Lady Love's daddy was a musician, and he played the old big band sounds, the mm. old swing band sounds, all okay. those kinds of. A little bit of the jazz of 40s, 50s. And every Christmas. And every Christmas we would gather around uh, in the living room. He'd pull out his guitar and, uh, and our mandolin. And then, and it was never really fully Christmas. And I would venture over on the piano until, and he would go into, I, nope, <laughs> I'll be home for Christmas. And Lady would sing that. And I'm like, my, 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 now it's mm. Christmas time. You know, and we just thought, those are timeless sounds and songs that we just wanted to record and, you know, and just, uh, and so excited. We've always wanted to do this kind of Christmas record because we just felt we were kind of built for Christmas, and, and, you know? <laughs> and I really have always loved the, the Carpenter's Christmas oh, CD. And I wanted, I thought if, there were, if we could even touch on something like that, that would be mm-hmm. amazing. Something that you could pull out year after year and it would evoke memories that you had with your family specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, those songs would go back to the time you're with your mom, your dad, your sisters, brothers growing up, aunts, uncles, putting the ornaments on the tree. But then we also wanted to add some new memories to it and some new songs and some new fresh things a a little the album also has a number of what we might call christmas carols there's the a child of king medley which features scripture being read by someone related to the gaithers so lady love take it from there as far as that that medley and the special scriptural contribution okay well that was just as important if not more was to have content about what Christmas is mm. really about, about Jesus. And so we have several songs. Um, and the one you're talking about, A Christ a King Medley, we just want to do familiar carols that everybody grew up with, again, timeless, mm-hmm. uh, that you have memories with and that you celebrated Christ's birthday and Christ the King. And so we named it a, a, a King Medley. And we put all the different songs that we that we loved growing up. We, we did Away in a Manger. We did A Little Town of Bethlehem. We did Oh Come All Ye Faithful, all the traditional songs. And so we, but we wanted the story of Christmas to be read in it also. We wanted it to be front and center and what it was all about. So we had the narration ready. And again, this was just kind of the way God did this and worked this out. It had nothing to do with Bill and Gloria, actually. Um, they didn't even know we did it. Um, oh, wow. But we yeah. were right. So we were sitting at home, but we're good friends with Mia's parents, yeah. Melody and Benji Gaither. Melody yeah. and I grew up close to each other close together um it's, yeah i've been maybe, pretty close friends for a long time and we were just thinking we want this to be we were going to do something totally different and at the last minute we were like a little girl's voice a little child's voice Would be you know just uh, to be that you know that pure and simple and we were sitting here and we thought <clears throat> mia because mia has done a little bit of acting up in la and i'll bet she's a real child too she's not you know commercialized or fixed or and so we just called him and said, hey, do you think that that would be possible? A, do y'all have the time? B, could she do it? C, would she want to do it? All those things. They said, let us think about it. They, 
So we got her to do it and it just turned out amazing. And then we, we didn't even tell Bill and Lori later. That was just a little surprise for them. They were like, oh my goodness, when they heard it. Well, Lady Love, I do want to ask you about another song on the project. It's the very familiar Christmas carol, Silent Night. It's a, it's the carol that you sing on, but there's also a special guest on, on that song as well, as I understand. That's right. So Silent Night's always been a very uh, uh, special song to me as well. Every Christmas Eve, we would do a Christmas Eve um, service at my church. And uh, I've sung Silent Night many times, even did a little verse in German, Stille Nacht, Hallige Nacht. Hey, could you do a little bit That's all now? I can do. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, so when we started recording that, and also I grew up hearing an arrangement that I loved, um, a secular arrangement of Barbara Streisand. I loved the way she would always bring her melodies together. And I just tried to imagine, you know, that when we were doing the arrangement. But then we were up in the studio working and, and, and Brett came up one night. He used to sing with us when he was little, but then it before got his voice changed. before his voice changed and he <laughs> thought it wasn't cool anymore for a while. But now it's cool again. <laughs> So he came up and he said, hey, I like the way that sounds. And Reggie said, come over here. So he just kind of incorporated him into a verse and he started singing. And I mean, we really, it happened so fast because Reggie's like, I like that. Reggie and Lady Love Smith here on The Intersection. You can find them online at Reggie and spell it out, Lady, L-A-D-Y-E, Love, ReggieAndLadyLove.com. Well, finally, on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, conversation material with George Guthrie. He is professor of New Testament at Regent College in Vancouver, British Columbia, and the author of the book, A Short Guide to Reading the Bible Better. From a recent conversation, here now is George Guthrie. Let me just emphasize a few things. First of all, I really encourage myself and others to read relationally. Uh, we, We tend to think that uh, we need to read the Bible better because we need more information. And that's certainly true. The way that we think about the world and see the world is going to shape the way we live in the world. And so God has communicated his word to us to shape how we see the world. But under that is a a relational dynamic that is very, very important. We want to Remember that we have an opportunity when we pick up the scriptures to meet the God of the universe who wants to communicate with us. And that that is an astounding thought. In fact, in this little book, uh, A Short Guide to Reading the Bible Better, I say there is no more important thing in the world than that I would hear what God wants to say to me on a daily basis. If the God of the universe really is speaking into the world in order to shape our lives, there could be nothing more foundational for life than actually being able to tune in and hearing what God wants to say to me in terms of my relationship with him and our relationship as a community of the church um, as we hear God speak to us. So one thing would be to read relationally. Uh, A second thing would be to be realistic about human communication. Uh, When God gave us his word, he gave the word in human language and God chose specific places and times and ways that he would speak into the world. Uh, What that means is we're going to have to deal with the language of the Bible on, on the terms of how communication works in even basic relationships like my marriage with my wife, Pat, uh, the context of communication 
uh, kind of the history of our relationship together, the meaning of specific words. All those things are vital if I'm going to really have loving, healthy communication with my wife. And in the same way, we need to learn to read the Bible uh, according to the words that are there. And there's some wonderful tools that will help us tune into the meaning of words. We need to uh, read in terms of contexts, like literary context or the historical context of particular passages. And uh, the type of thing that I wanted to do in this little book, which is meant to be very introductory, uh, the, the publisher of B&H wanted me to do a book that could be handed out to any person who had just become a Christian or any person in the church who had never had basic training on reading the Bible. This was to give them help by giving uh, kind of guiding principles and then some basic tools. So two of the most basic things would be to read relationally and then to read in a way that we are actually being good readers, that we are learning to linger in the word, to enjoy it on its own terms, on the terms that God uh, was trying to communicate to us when he inspired the word. As we look at this story of Scripture and the relationship that God has with us, I can see how that will really enhance one's Bible study. How does one re really read the word from that perspective? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think it is so important for us to realize that we're all living in some story. So every day when you turn on the radio or the television or uh, interact with people in your work, there is a story that's shaping those conversations and communication. And the world very much wants us to be drawn into its story um, in understanding the way the world works. But God has written scriptures in a framework that communicates the grand story of what he is up to in the world. George Guthrie here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to georgehguthrie.com. Well, we are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or through the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. There are also links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, there are links to video content, and you can connect to two blogs. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House, and you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.